0: Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles. I am Scott Wright of the Oklahoman. This is the post-scrimmage slash practice slash Saturday event uh, podcast coming to you after Oklahoma State's uh, spring finale, spring exhibition, uh, whatever you want to call what happened inside Boone Pickens Stadium today. Um, I am Scott Wright, as I mentioned, joined by Jenny Carlson and Barry Trammell, who were at the stadium with me to to, uh, to cover this whole event all the different things we saw from 1-on-1 to 7-on-7 to 11-on-11 and uh, everything in between. So uh, yeah, a unique setup, a different kind of day. Um, anything that uh, that jumps out at either one of you, uh, and Jenny, we'll start with you, uh, that you actually learned from, uh, from the events of the day.
1: Yeah, it was definitely tough to gauge. I mean, we've talked about this before, Scotty, and just had difficult spring, even if you play a spring game. I mean, you can sometimes be hard-pressed to tell much because if you're splitting squads, then you know you know you're not looking at the units as they would actually be on a fall Saturday. You know if you're if you're looking ones versus ones, you might get a, a taste, but are they really showing the the uh, blitzes that a defense would show? You know, in the fall, would the offenses be really throwing open the the playbook? Probably not. So, you know, it's really hard to tell even in those normal settings. So today was even more difficult, but. We did get to look at the quarterbacks. We did get to look at the receivers. And you know, one thing I learned, I think this quarterback battles pretty tight. I mean, I don't, I know it was one uh, practice, but boy, I didn't see a ton of separation between those two guys. And I think the other thing I learned was that CJ Moore is an interesting character receiver. I think he's going to be an interesting contributor there potentially. So past that, I'm not sure I learned a whole ton
2: barry anything else to uh to add to what we learned today i actually learned they made it bear they could make it bearable yeah making me watch a football practice i enjoyed some of the drills as long as it had a ball in it i'm Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit there and watch the linemen beat each other's heads in right crash shoulder pads that doesn't do anything for me but the seven on seven drills the one-on-one drills with the deep balls i thought that was interesting and uh, the two-minute warning they had a two-minute warning drill i enjoyed that i enjoyed that because that was real football yeah even when they did the scripted scrimmage there was no down to the ground tackling right so that's always a bummer but it it was enjoyable now if they'd had to do this when mason rudolph was the quarterback it would have been insufferable because you know mason rudolph's going to be the quarterback so what difference it makes but it was fun to get to see Drew Brown and, and Spencer Sanders. I mean, these are mystery men. Yep. Been talking about them for almost or longer than 12 months. They've been on campus almost that long. And outside of that, as you've said, just that Liberty Bowl handoff. Mm-hmm. That's that's all we've seen. So it was it was fun to see those guys.
0: Yeah, it was. And uh, Jenny, I'm with you. I don't think that there was uh, there was any major separation. I didn't really expect there to be. Um, not necessarily uh, set up for somebody to uh, to to really thrive or uh, or or lose the job necessarily. But um, you know, we saw we saw we got to see them make a lot of different kinds of throws. And uh, and that made it uh, made it, I think enjoyable for the fans. Probably I think Mike Gundy was was uh, maybe more right than uh, than I expected him to be even in uh, in uh, his his gauge that this uh, this was going to be a fan friendly event uh, because I do think that that was uh, you know they had uh, I think some one on ones going on between the receivers and DBs. Uh, while the uh, the inside drill, the the you know all the linemen were going to, uh, at it on the other end, so that uh, that helped out. If there had been like Barry said, if there had been uh, a, a significant period of uh, of just watching linemen, you know, hitting each other and uh, not really knowing a ton about what's going on, that 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 could have got uh, that could have slowed things down. But uh, it moved at a at a good pace, and uh, the quarterbacks were rotating in and out. We got to see a little bit of even Brendan Costello and Sean Taylor, the backups uh and that uh you know get to get an idea of what those guys can do so um now jenny you mentioned cj moore uh i'm i'm i'm, I'm guessing but uh, feel free to disagree with me anybody that wants to uh the uh the, the star of the spring scrimmage uh slash practice
1: yeah for sure i i think he he definitely uh opened some eyes to what he could potentially do for the cowboys you know obviously the depth at receiver i mean it's an annual discussion but it's it's even more uh, a fact of the matter, and that we found out today that Elsie Greenwood, a guy that you know looked like he was maybe going to make some pushes to to uh, to get some pretty significant playing time this next fall, he's moved to linebacker by his choice. He went in and asked to uh, to play linebacker because he felt like there might not be enough opportunity at wide receiver. So that tells you the depth of that position. But you know, C J. Moore. Very thin, and if he's added 30 pounds, I'm almost scared to see <laughs> how thin he was when he showed up on campus. Because he's still still pretty uh, pretty uh, slight, but tall, good hands, made some competitive catches. You know, Mike Gundy said after the scrimmage practice that he uh, he thought C.J. Moore was probably still a year away from being a 55 to 60 play sort of guy at receiver just because of his his frame essentially. But it sounded like they feel like that he's a guy that, that can definitely give him some, some plays out there. And at his size, his height, I think that that's going to be really interesting to see what he can bring to the table.
0: And then you factor in uh, other guys like Patrick McAuffman, who is 6'6", and uh, showed that he's improving from that uh, that torn ACL. Uh, Jelani Woods, as a tight end, 6'7", and uh, weighs almost 270 pounds now. As uh, has, uh, he said, he has uh, sort of reworked his body a little bit uh, to get uh, more prepared for uh, for the, the beating that he has to take when he goes down in blocks. Um, he's feeling a lot more comfortable in, uh, in my conversation with him uh, afterwards amid the fans. Barry, the... Uh, the number of, of playmakers around these quarterbacks has to be an exciting factor for uh, for either one of them. Whoever wins the job, they've got to be pretty pumped about the offense that they're that they're taking over.
2: Yeah, although, I mean, when you think about Chuba Hubbard and Tylan Wallace and Dylan Stoner, but I found it interesting when Gundy was talking about the outside receiver spot. I mean, Jacko asked him about Tyron Johnson, you know, going pro and – Gundy expressed some concern about they really don't have anybody there that's done much. So I thought that was interesting because you sort of always, whenever, I don't even think about OSU receivers, what do I care? Whoever they run out there is going to be good and some of them are great. Right. So do you think it's legitimate concern by Gundy at that spot or is he just talking? I mean, there's some there's some concern that
0: you don't know what these guys are right now. You don't know uh, what they're going to be like on a uh, on a, on a Saturday night in uh, in Corvallis. Uh, but but I think that uh, that the talent that they've got. I mean, there's a reason that Elsie Greenwood felt like he was uh, had had hit a dead end at receiver. Uh, um, the, he saw he saw writing on the wall in some form or fashion. And uh, you know, you know, Patrick McLaughlin is a guy that they really like. Um, but, you know, he redshirted one year and then he tore his ACL whenever he was really kind of starting to come along last August. And so he's been around for two years but hasn't seen the field at all yet. So um, there is an unknown. Uh, and, you know, I think that they've, uh, they've got some things that they would like to do in, uh, and use those guys a little bit differently. Dylan Stoner getting more involved, doing some, uh, some other things uh, to, uh, to make sure that their best players are getting the ball. Um, I think that uh, what the way they're going to use the Cowboy back this year is going to be a lot different, um, not just with Jelani Woods. You know, We didn't even see Larry Jobert take the field at, uh, at that position. He's obviously going to be more of a blocker, being a guy that uh, is moving from a, an offensive guard spot. Uh, but they're going to do things differently with him that, uh, that we haven't seen. So, um, you know, I, I, don't, uh, I don't see a reason to be greatly concerned about that position. It's not They don't have an experienced guy like Tyron Johnson out there. But they've got guys who I think are going to be able to make plays, Jenny.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it seems to me like they're they're just it's it's not going to be one guy. It's going to be a multiple. Yeah. Uh, option at that outside spot. I mean, you might throw, you might throw a speedy guy like Stoner out there, a player two. Then you might throw a gigantic option like Jelani Woods out there, a player two. You know, Gundy said that McCoffman uh, – McCoughman. <laughs> What you know what? What I'm about to say is what I need to do when I say Patrick McCauffman's name and just say it and don't think about it. But <laughs> when Patrick does not think about that knee and that brace. Yes. Gundy made the point that he you know, he just he he sort of frees himself up to make plays and do some things that you're like, Oh but he's still wearing that brace. Gundy said it's a, a matter of um continuing to strengthen that knee before he clears himself to get out of the brace. Um, You know, when that happens is, is anybody's guess, but you know, when you're carrying around something that extra heavy on one leg, it's going to remind you of it a lot. So mentally he's just not quite there yet, but I think that it's going to be a situation where they, you know, may not um, have a guy like Tyron Johnson or before him, James Washington, who played, 90% 90% of the snaps at that position. It may be more of a 33%, 33%, 34% type yeah. of situation at outside receiver. And, yeah, I mean, maybe that doesn't make Gundy feel great that he doesn't have an obvious guy there. But, frankly, the the various looks that a guy, that guys could give a, a, a DB over there, whew, that's a that's tough to think you're chasing Dylan Stoner one moment and then trying to guard 6'8". Six, however tall Jelani Woods right. is, that's all. That's a, a mess to try to handle over there. And you got to figure that's the second best DB for the opponent because they got to put their best guy in Tylen Wallace.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: I and, hope. Well, you know, Gundy talked about Jelani Woods. I hope he does become a weapon because a six foot eight tight end who's got some ball skills since he's been a quarterback all his life that would be a. I mean, there's a lot of times you can just say, hey. Take three steps and turn around. Here comes the ball, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's an easy way to make four yards. And you know, four yards isn't flashy, but sometimes you need four yards. So, I I hope that progresses the way Gundy seemed to indicate that it would that it would.
1: What did I say to you, Scotty, before we went down on the field? How many balls would be a, a reasonable number right. for Jelani Woods? Right. How many targets? Yeah, and I threw I think I threw out five. Yes, I mean. That doesn't seem out of the question to me and not at all. I, I mean, I think this is a guy that, if he's really progressing the way that it looks like he's progressing, I mean, this is an NFL talent with his with his body. And, as Barry said, the, the ability to catch the ball after playing quarterback all his life, he's a fascinating, fascinating piece to me,
0: absolutely. And you know, this is he's a guy that these uh, th- this offensive staff, I think trusts a lot. If we go back to uh, the Baylor game last year. When they needed a first down right at the end of the game that would have actually won the game before they uh, ended up turning the ball over to keep uh, keep that late drive alive, it was a play designed to go to him. Now it was uh, it wasn't maybe the best play uh, for the situation. It took a long time to set up and, and develop, and uh, he had to deal with some uh, some traffic getting across the field to uh, to try to get open, and the play didn't work out, but. It was a it was a fourth down play, and they needed to make something happen, and uh, and they went to him, they were they designed a play to go to him, so they feel comfortable with what he can do, and uh, and and we're just going to see him continue to emerge and, and become a, a better player as he as he learns everything that goes into uh, the position that he's playing. Now let me let me ask this going back to C.J. Moore really quickly, um, spring
2: uh, spring scrimmage star, blessing or a curse? Uh, I don't remember enough to comment about OSU's recent history, Mm -hmm. but in general it occurs. Yeah. In general it occurs. Yeah. Most places. It's, you know, if you're really good, they don't really want you exposed all that much. Right. I don't know that thurman thomas was doing a whole lot of 170 yard spring games
0: <laughs> um uh, uh, just going back to uh, to last year landon wolf was the star of last year's spring game so they're at least trending in the right direction
1: yeah and didn't one uh, i mean he, he didn't exactly like set the world on fire but one year i remember charlie moore had a great spring game yes. for osu i mean it tends to be a receiver uh, for whatever reason at osu i mean uh, maybe that just shows the depth of receiver that they've got guys down the pecking order that can still make you go, whoa, this guy's pretty good in the exactly. spring game. Um, but, I mean, I think it's – I mean, he's such a young guy. If he was a, if he was a fourth- or fifth-year guy and he was doing what he did today, you might say, well, that's the last time we see C.J. Moore. Mm-hmm. But he's a, he's a second-year guy. He's really just starting to come into his own. And, um, you know, he's carrying well, – think about that. He's carrying around 30 more pounds – that's like, what, 25% of his previous body weight almost? <laughs> and he, yeah. he's figuring out, like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he's only going to continue to add, he has to. So, he, you know, that's going to be an, a, a continuing, um, you know, challenge for him again, in a good way. I mean, he's got to get bigger and, and he's got the frame to carry it. So it's just a matter of a sort of figuring out how you do uh, stuff with extra weight. So now I, and, and it looks like he's got the hands to, and the, um, Instincts to make some stuff happen. So, in his case, being a younger guy, I think it's a good thing.
0: All right. We'll uh, step over to the defensive side of the ball briefly. It's about dang
2: time. <laughs> you fired up to talk defense, Barry? How long have we been talking? 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. We've not brought up the name of the best player on the field today. We have not brought him up. Tell me. A.J. Green. Yeah. Yep. A.J. Green. He had two interceptions today. He did. So... What a, what a strength. You know, for all the talk about the defensive line makeover that OSU's going to have to go through, and it's going to be a culture shock. Having those two veteran corners, Roe Williams and, and A.J. Green, two-year starters, both of them, about to start years three, what a comfort that's got to be for Mike Gundy when he lays his head down at night, knowing that those two guys are out there playing and any, any team in the league would swap. Uh, and would take those two as their corners. So, uh, the two picks by Green, you know, the one was pretty easy. Drew Brown just threw him the ball, but that uh, that fade route uh, early in the seven on seven that he was a nice play. Spencer Sanders, yeah, that was a nice play. So, you know, I re- I really liked what I saw out of AJ Green. And uh,
0: it's uh, it's such a rarity to to see that two third year starters at cornerback it's uh it, it's really pretty wild to even try to, to to contemplate the the type of benefit that that is because there there's so few instances where you can actually say oh here look there's there's there, what this team did when they had two three-year starters at, at at corner it's um you know and then you add in the uh the experience that the young guys at safety got um i, I think that uh you know you couldn't we didn't get to see a ton uh that was really revealing about the secondary other than uh, other than aj green making some plays and uh, and a couple other uh moments but uh, but jenny your, your your thoughts on the secondary in general
1: yeah i mean i think it was pretty solid you know we didn't uh we didn't get to see a ton of um you know, live action where the secondaries happen to react to a bunch of stuff going on. We, yeah, you guys have mentioned one-on-one drills and seven-on-seven, so some level, but limited in the 11-on-11, limited in the two-minute drill. But, you know, you didn't just see – I think there was only one instance I can think of where a receiver was basically just running free. Yeah. A very first play of the uh, two-minute drill that um, Spencer Sanders ran. I can't even remember who it was, somebody down the left sideline big play as you might imagine open and and, and he got space I I don't know if he got away from a a DB or if uh, somebody was supposed to come help from the backside but really the only time I remember just clearly somebody busting free so you know that's uh that's a good sign and at that point you know i'm not sure i can't even remember who would have been playing in the secondary at that point it may have been a mishmash of you know ones and twos or or uh you know they'd already played a full two-minute uh drill series against drew brown so at that point they're they're definitely running a little bit uh lower on energy no matter who's out there but At the same time, not having a bunch of guys running open, uh, even in limited situations, I thought that was really positive and indicative of, you know, frankly, what we're talking about. You know, DBs that are experienced and a secondary that, you know, those guys, it was trial by fire. But we started to see, you know, we started to see some positive signs in the bowl game. Looks like Kobe Kobe Peel can play. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez was back out there after being hurt, uh, you know, off and on throughout the second half of last season. So, um, those guys look like ball players, and, and frankly, they're they're starting to round into a pretty decent unit. It seemed like to me.
0: All right, now I'll admit, um, because I've been talking up the uh, the defensive line rebuild as the uh, you know the really what I think is the biggest storyline of uh, of this spring, even bigger than the quarterback situation. Um, I probably watched the defensive line closer than uh, than than some people did. And I I, I got to admit, I came away a little bit impressed. I, uh, you know, it's hard to tell. Mike
1: Scott was good.
0: Yeah, Mike Scott, I think, is is the type of athlete that has a chance to be a really impactful player. Um, the way that they uh, the, the way the way they're using guys Israel Antoine lined up some as a, as a defensive end in some of their three man sets Amadou Fafana did the same um, you know I think Brendan Evers and Cameron Murray are going to be serviceable guys at, at at tackle and and both are, are young and inexperienced and are going to grow and, and continue to to develop and have a chance to uh, to be really good in there so um, you know I I they're definitely inexperienced they're this was obviously just a, a scrimmage, and and you're not going uh, not going full bore, but uh, but I felt like they played better than than I expected them to. Either either of you have a have a thought on that?
1: Well, I'll say this much: that one of Mike Gundy's biggest um, concerns, gripes, whatever about his quarterbacks was them trying to. Freelance essentially and make right. plays when they should throw it away. You know whether it's a scramble or you know they're they're uh, they're backtracking in the pocket or whatever. If there wasn't some pressure coming from the front, those guys wouldn't have been in those situations to make mistakes yep. that involve that kind of play. So, yeah, I mean I think we're talking about a small sample size and a and a scrimmage or I'm sorry a practice situation, but still. And you, you, when you consider the fact that what we think is the other end hasn't even arrived on campus yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that that it, – it can't – it's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. You don't graduate as many guys as they had um, and not – and it'd be fine right away. But, you know, as Mike said afterwards, you know, that if, they, if they can throw enough guys at it to keep them fresh enough to maybe have a little more in the tank, and maybe that evens some things out from time to time. You know, maybe they got a chance. I don't know. Barry, what do you think?
2: Oh, um, I'm a little concerned because I remember the old days when they were manhandled. You know, and that was really the problem with OSU's defense. And maybe they've reached the point where Rob Glass's off-season program, at the minimum, creates – Enough big and strong guys that they can at least stand in there and not get pushed around, and that's always good for something. Mm-hmm. But they've become accustomed to pretty good players there, and now to step down, it appears. I mean, I, I too like Mike Scott a lot. Antoine's a you know a solid prospect. Uh, junior from Bowling Green says Bowling Green. Yes, Bowling. He sounds like a player, but. Uh, it worries me. I'll say that. That line worries me.
0: That's fair. Um, still, a lot of growth to be done, uh, and you know, we, like I said, this was still just, uh, just, just spring, and there's a long way to go. Um, I, uh, I just, I felt like there was a chance that they could get, uh, really kind of, um, kind of manhandled today, and that didn't happen. But, um, so we'll see. We'll see what direction they go. Um, the offensive line, obviously, is, uh, is, is going to be uh, a work in progress as well. The, the guys on the interior are, are all back. Dylan Galloway did not play today at, uh, at left tackle. Um, so some, uh, some changes uh, coming there as well. So uh, we'll see what the Cowboys look like in the trenches uh, in August. But uh, overall, overall I, I was surprised to see the defensive line create as much havoc as they did. Um, I want to get to Tom Hutton really quickly, but uh, but I before knew you I knew, wanted to get to Tom, uh, you Hutton. Knew, you, I wanted to talk to him before we talked about AJ Green, but but uh, uh, that got that got uh, derailed. So, um, but before we get to Tom Hutton, uh, anything else that, uh, that that stuck out to you guys? I, I always call it the, uh, the 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 most important thing I forgot. Anything at all? We uh, is is Tom Hutton the uh, the the big lingering piece <laughs> of fruit that's hanging dangling for us at the end of this podcast?
1: Potentially. Um you know, I, the, uh, I, I thought this was interesting and not, and not important to the, uh, maybe the um, uh, next season per se, but uh, as has become the custom, a lot of past players come back for the, for the spring, whatever they have, and they did this year. We saw Mason Rudolph. We saw Brandon Whedon, and I didn't realize until Mike Gundy said after the game that they did not have any sort of alumni group for past players until like six or eight years ago. And, you know, now, and Gundy also referenced the fact that at one point he was having a recruiting meeting yesterday and in busts Mason Rudolph and Marcel Aitman and Chris Lacey. (laughs) And he's thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on? And it turns out those guys helped to make a great impression on the family he was talking to. Well, no kidding. (laughs) You got three guys that have, you know, at least drawn an NFL paycheck to some extent standing right there. A guy that, you know, played quarterback for three years for it. i mean like so to have that connection i you know that again may not matter a hill of beans to what this team is next year but to have those guys connected i mean that can help in your recruiting that can help in your development of players just the you know seeing those guys I, and i didn't realize that they really didn't have any of that until very recently
0: yeah rod johnson getting some credit for uh, for developing
2: that it's uh that was important barry well, I don't know exactly what Gundy's talking about in particular, because they've always had the o club, right? So maybe he means an organized football reunion. I guess is what he's talking about. Yeah. In the same way that only you know that OSU now has a, a basketball reunion every summer. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what he's talking about. Yeah, and uh, um, actively involved seen, in reaching out to people. Because yeah, like, we've seen, we've seen old cowboys come back for forever at spring games and other times so maybe talking about particular uh, a particular organizational move
1: and he was talking about that apparently they have a golf outing and a dinner and some other stuff so maybe there wasn't anything formal for those guys and maybe now this is a, a way to sort of formally connect them to this weekend i don't know but i yeah so what exactly that formality is um but still, I mean, I think when you're able to connect former players, that's never a bad thing.
2: And it was fun to hear Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, Allison Gappa, the, uh, the OSU, uh, uh, studi- uh, OSU video uh, yeah. sideline reporter, uh, staged a variety of – I really enjoyed interviews with some former Cowboys, and Mason Rudolph clearly – is uh, letting the NFL rub off on him because uh, he's <laughs> let his hair down a little bit. and he didn't you do much of that when he was quarterback in the Cowboys, but he basically told Mike Gundy to get a haircut. Yeah, and uh, everybody in the state of Oklahoma said, "Hey, man, preach it, brother." <laughs> so uh, that was fun. And Chris Lacey saying, "Ah, oh, just came to see who's wearing 15." So you know, a lot of good stuff for for not having a game. They made it pretty fun. So I I sort of salute the Cowboys. Uh, you know. Gundy talked about the lack of linemen, offensive linemen, mm-hmm. and why they really didn't want to split up and play a game. And I can understand that. He said he thought next year they would have the depth on both lines to go ahead and play a split up and play a game. So for not playing a game, I thought they ended up doing a pretty good job of entertaining the fans.
0: All right. Uh, amid those uh, things that, uh, that Mike Gundy did to entertain us, seven minutes of punting with Tom Hutton. Jenny, your impression?
1: <laughs> I was riveted. I honestly was. I was. I was. And it Obviously, we also got to see. Uh, is it Jake? I always screw up his first name. McClure, yes. Yeah, Jake McClure. I don't know why. I want to say Matt. There must have been a Matt McClure somewhere. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, I'm getting old and I forget stuff. Um, but they both did some traditional punting, but they also both did the Aussie Styles punting. And here's what I was fascinated by. We're going to have to investigate this, guys, because. With the Aussie style, you know, normal punts are like a spiral. But these Aussie punts are doing end over end as yeah. they come into the guys arms, which is more like a kickoff. But we all know how hard it is to catch punts because of the on rushing, you know, offensive or team coming at you, the opponents coming at you. Is it harder to catch a punt when it's also coming at you end over end? Right. I have no idea, but it was fascinating to watch, that's for sure.
0: Or just the sideways wobble that they would uh, that they would fire off from time to time, Barry.
2: You know our old pal John Helsley offered up the theory that the spiral kick is harder to catch, mm-hmm. um, but I thought that was bogus. If that was true, you'd throw a, you'd throw passes end over end. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. I mean, he, he sounds like a fun guy. We won't get to talk to him for a year, so that's a, you know that's a year before we get to hear that Australian accent, which is a bummer. But
0: uh, hold, a, a year for you guys. I uh, made my way around. And, uh, did you talk just, to him? I did not talk to him. He's off limits. I did not talk to him. I just, you just uh, I just just listened. I just I just stood, stood around and listened while he visited with some uh, some, uh, some fans that were asking for autographs. Well, that's and cool beans. It was it was. It was It was fascinating. He and Alex Hale, the uh, uh, the walk on, uh, I guess probably third string kicker who is also from Australia. They were uh, they were hanging out and, and, and chatting together and taking some pictures together. and Well now uh,
2: you have just shattered my world, Scotty, let me ask a question. Yeah. I've never heard about Australian kickers.
0: Right. No. Is that a thing? I I have I no know about clue.
2: Punters, punters are taking over the universe. I, I haven't. Uh, I uh, as far as I know, you know, well, I I talked as I know, to the Trump's guys. got a plan. He's got a he's got an immigration policy to stop the infiltration of Australian, <laughs> Australian punters. <laughs> but I had no idea about the kickers. Uh, no, this
0: guy, this guy was uh, you know completely outside the box for. Uh, for Aussie kickers, I didn't, uh, you know, even at, even at Pro Kick Australia, the place that produced Tom Hutton and uh, and uh, and all these guys, uh, they don't work on place kicking. And so uh, I'm really fascinated to learn some more about this guy. He's uh, still uh, still under the first year umbrella, having uh, having only arrived last August. So uh, hopefully we get a chance to to learn a little bit more about him uh, later on in the year.
1: Is there any chance that he drop kicks his extra points?
0: Well, that would be that would be incredible. I would be I would be all for it if uh, if if that's what we've got going on. Uh, sign me up, sign me up to uh, to watch him do that, and then uh, and then just visit with him about uh, uh, I don't know shrimp and lobster or whatever else. I don't care. Are
2: there are there goalposts in Australian rules football? In other words, is there a pair of goalposts on the continent of Australia? That's my question. Is really what I'm asking. Yeah, and yes. if there are not, well, that explains why there's no place kicking.
0: Right. Well. Um, you know they also play rugby there um so i think that there are uh, there are goalposts in uh, in some form or fashion
1: clearly we need to uh do some homework and yeah, possibly send somebody to australia to look into this well Scotty.
0: i'm listen between uh between that and uh going to uh going out to uh university of hawaii to do an in-depth drew brown uh deep dive story uh you know I'm, uh, I, my summer is going to be busy, but I'll, I'll see if I can work in an Australia trip.
1: <laughs> I think, well. uh, I think that could be a, as we uh, sometimes referred to them, a two for one trip. Just go to, go to Australia and stop in Hawaii. On there the way. you go.
0: There you go. I think that sounds like uh like an ideal, um, work, uh, work related trip to uh, expense on, uh, on my company card. <laughs> Hopefully Ryan Sharp's not listening at this point. Um. All right, guys. Anything else? Anything else we need to touch on before you uh, before we shut down this uh, this this practice podcast?
2: Just uh, I'm depressed because walking to the car, I did them. We, we were just talking with each other. I did the math and I figured out that we're closer to the Liberty Bowl mm-hmm. in the past than we are to Oregon State in the future. That's right. So long, hot summer of no football still awaits. That's right.
1: I'm also sad because Scotty. I don't know if you just. I think you just said it because it's. It's the first thought that comes to mind, but you said a Saturday night in uh, yes, you know at Corvallis. Uh-huh. I'm kind of hoping for maybe a day game, just because you know we need all the day games we can no, get for uh, our uh, deadlines.
0: I'm, I'm I'm all for day games. I'm just uh, I'm just betting against a, uh, a a Friday afternoon kickoff. That's
2: all. Yeah, that yeah, that game is on Friday. So, oh,
1: oh. Well, even worse. We're okay. Never mind. Then it's yeah. got to be Friday night. Ay Okay. Never mind.
2: Yeah, so we'll we're see, stuck. we'll see. It's going to be late
0: night. Yeah, we'll see. There's, uh, what would you say, Barry, eight other games, about six others. I think that, there were uh, six other that Power that are, 5 games are on that day, so, uh, so
2: it's – Hey, listen! It's an it's a it's a state of Oklahoma tradition. One of our teams goes to the state of Oregon. They play at nine thirty, <laughs> Oklahoma time. Are we, are we not used to that with the Thunder and the Blazers?
0: Right, right. Yeah, we got a, got another one of those coming up uh, coming up very soon.
1: So. Yeah, and I guess we'll by then though. I mean, we'll have been in practice from this uh, playoff series, but by then people are going to need to build up their tolerance to stay up again until midnight or one o'clock. So
0: yeah, they will. Uh, they'll, they'll be they'll be uh, they will have uh, readjusted their. Uh, Their uh, internal clocks By that point All right Barry, Jenny, thank you very much for uh, for hanging out with me on the uh, the Cowboy Chronicles. Thanks, uh, thanks to Paige and Dave who always put this thing together and uh, and make it great. Make sure you're subscribing uh, on uh, on Apple Podcasts. That way, whenever we fire this thing back up in the fall, you'll get them just uh, delivered directly to your phone. You won't have to worry about uh, going to find it. So uh, make sure you're doing that. We really appreciate all of you listening, and uh, catch you next time on the Cowboy Chronicles podcast.